Welcome to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building amazing workplace cultures. On today's episode, we meet with Justine Gellivan. Justine is a certified professional coach and consultant supporting leaders, employees, and individuals with perspectives and tools that challenge and empower them to think and live differently. Justine works with clients who are looking to make a change, dig deep, and get real. Today, Justine gets real with Ron Lovett and introduces a narrative coaching exercise that helps understand the dangers of storytelling in our own head and how we can reverse the process for better outcomes and stronger relationships. Uh, Justine Gallivan, welcome uh, to Scaling Culture Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We're going to have lots of fun, have some great conversations. Uh, So yeah, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's been it's it's been an interesting time of life for sure. And, and uh, in all uh, transparency, I've worked with Justine before, and she is a rock star. She really provided a lot of coaching guidance for our organization, and and specifically, I actually want to start Justine with there was one thing that. Uh, that you provided us, which was, I think, our team's aha moment um, in in our interaction with you, and that was, and I want to talk about coaching, of course, because uh, that's your your zone of genius, as I know it. And the the aha moment for us was when you talked about narrative coaching. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through that? Tell me more about narrative coaching, where this comes from, so people that have never heard of it would understand it. Can you yeah. over to you? So narrative coaching is based on a a model that I certainly didn't create, Um, but uh, it's a great model that allows a client or a number of people, you know, if you're working in a business setting, to sort of recognize what might be triggering them and causing them when something happens to instead of maybe seeing reality, they go off into another world of the story that they tell themselves about something. So, so yeah, narrative coaching isn't about me coaching you. It's actually about the looking internally and, That's and, right. and, and the perspective of my story. Keep going. Yeah. So the, the process around narrative coaching is exactly that. It allows the person or the team to get introspective about when this happens, we tend to get triggered and go into this space where we tell ourselves a story or we make a judgment about something and that becomes the reality by which we behave and make decisions and believe to be true, honestly. And when in fact it's, it's not true, it's our story about the fact. Right. Our opinion, our, our thoughts, our fears, all these. Right. And it, is it usually driven by emotion and not logic or is it a combination? Yeah, I would say it generally, you know, according to the, the formal sort of narrative coaching m- method, they would say that generally when you are triggered, you're getting hit at a spot that's that's touching an emotion, an unmet need, a value of yours. Something's getting pressed in you that's causing you to kind of go off and have a reality that's different than someone else. Yeah, right. And sometimes we probably, does it become more common for narrative coaching or, or it's called narrative coaching, right? That's yeah, what you call yeah. this narrative internal. Um, do people get caught where they've had the same maybe uh, um, 
issue come up with it with a colleague or something multiple times. So then they, they just, that's their default, this narrative coaching default. Uh, yeah. Sarah's always late and Timmy was late and people that are always late are idiots or whatever. Yes, that's you know? exactly it. That's exactly it. And so as clients and as humans, the more that we can have self-awareness about what stories we're telling ourselves, the more we can catch ourselves kind of going, is that a story I'm telling myself? What's the truth there? What's the judgment that I've made? And to sort of reconnect with, okay, no, I told myself Sarah's always late. Maybe Sarah isn't always late. And maybe people who are late I make me feel disrespected or I may, I feel disrespected when people are late because I have that reaction in myself. So I've now attached that to Sarah when right. she's late. So, so it sounds like narrative coaching in some cases protects us, our egos, uh, from the, from, from, from maybe the truth. So I, Sarah's late. I'm upset. My own ego says that's you're disrespecting me. You've been late. Has right. I has not all of a sudden my narrative coaching has nothing to do with Sarah, her personal life, her kids are sick, whatever's really going on, or am I getting it wrong? Right. Well, I wouldn't call it the narrative coaching. I would call it the story. The story in your mind is keeping you from right. the reality. Right, right. The the coaching is gonna have you or the, the thought process gonna have you sort of go, What's the thought that triggered me? And is that the story? And then you can dive into that a little bit. So, so yeah, walk me through. Let's just stick on Sarah. Yeah, sure. Okay. So Sarah's late. I'm upset that she's late. And of course I think that she's not committed to this team because she's been late twice now. Right. And so I'm upset because she should be committed to me. I've provide her a, a job and I pay her. I'm upset. Mm-hmm. What, what's the next steps I should take? Walk me yeah. through. Okay. So I, I, uh, I actually have sort of the, the pages here that I'll walk through Great. an example here. So if we think about this, the, the, like the questions that you can reflect on is like, what did I observe? I observed that Sarah is always late. Right. It's my observation. So what were you telling yourself when Sarah was late? So I told myself that she's late because she doesn't, she's, she, she's not respectful to the team. She doesn't care about us. Mm-hmm. She doesn't take her work seriously. That's what I told myself. Right. I'm making okay. this up by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you don't work with us. He loves us. <laughs> uh, okay. So at the time you're telling yourself, Sarah doesn't respect the team. She's not being kind to her colleagues because clearly, you know, being on time and being ready for this meeting is what someone who was kind would be doing. Right. And she's not doing that. So the next question to reflect on is what does this say about how you see yourself? What does this say about how I see myself? So in this case, that's a really good question. So in this case, I see myself as someone who is kind to people, creates a strong work environment that they should appreciate. Mm, right. So I'm doing this for Sarah. Yeah. I'm kind. I'm respectful. Should we just I rip s- the bandage? Should we just like call this what it is? Let's call this Amanda. Let's just call Sarah Amanda. <laughs> Classic Amanda. <laughs> that's my that's my assistant. That is just a joke. That's a joke. She just turned her screen on and made a very bad face. Sorry, Justine. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Okay. So you're telling yourself, I'm kind, I'm respectful. I'm actually giving Sarah right. this place to work. 
Yeah. Aren't I great? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of telling yourself this story that's like, I'm giving you this opportunity. I'm uh, offering this to you and you are not reciprocating that. You're not and, giving that to me. Am I too harsh with my statement before that this is my ego speaking or not? Is that, am I down the wrong path? No, I don't. I think it's whatever it is for you. And, and okay. for some people it right. is going to be ego driven. And for some people it's going to be, you know, hitting a totally different nerve. Got it. Got it. So when you're in this space where you've told yourself she's always late and I'm giving her this opportunity and I'm being kind to her and she's not being kind to me, what do you do as a result? Right. Like in terms of behavior or... You're asking um, the question. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, I kind of go into myself, then emotion comes in, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, this is a D, this is a, it's a word I'm looking for. It's just a bad place for me to be. I start spinning now because I start, you know, I start feeding that more and more. I don't actually cut it off. My natural state is feed that start. I'm feeding a fire saying, wow, you know, no one else does that. Why is she doing that? You know, I I would become, could become quite upset. Yeah. But now I've got emotion that, that, that would be my first stage, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you feel like that and you have that sort of spiral of feelings of feeling disrespected, feeling like whatever, what's the behavior then that you that you do to Sarah or in the room? That's a great question. So my I go zero to 100 sometimes once it hits emotional logic's gone for me. So I would typically call her out. I would text, Hey, where are you? What's going on? Is there an issue? I I'm, I'm I, like compassion. Empathy has gone at this point for me. Right. Yeah. I'm moving very fast based on emotion. You know, I, and, and some people, I think that's just my brain. I tend to move very quickly when I hit that emotion button. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's not uncommon. That's what we tend to do. We have thoughts that trigger feelings that trigger behavior and, and so on. That's, that's how we're wired. And we can practice to sort of slow that loop down and think through what I think, what I feel, what I want to do. And this is part of that. So that then the next question is, so what you did was call her out, maybe in front of people, maybe a private email, maybe whatever. And then what is the outcome for you and for Sarah? Well, in that case, the outcome is not good. Right. right. She's creating separation. She's kind of like, you know, in this case, I'm sure whatever's happened to her, she's like, you have no idea. She's now going to also become emotional. We're both probably now in emotional state. She's looked at it as I'm uncompassionate. I don't even care. I'm this harsh leader. Right. Yeah. I, I can't work for Ron anymore. He embarrassed right. me right. in front of right. people. And, and that hits her at a different place, which is going to yeah. cause her own trigger of all these things. Yeah. We're done then. It's all bad. Yeah. Right? It's all bad. So the narrative coaching, the second part of it, once you've had this reflection is to reverse it and so actually sorry, rewind I just want to the process. Dig yeah. deeper there. Just so sure. uh, I'm clear the reflection being, okay, I've had that initial thought and I start to feel emotional. And then the reflection being creating space, stopping and saying, whoa, 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 Ron, did you just tell yourself a story? Well, well, let's, let's go through that. You, you had talked about emotion, facts. What, 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 what do I do to help me myself through that, to walk yeah. myself through that, that, that process? So I think 
this is something that I've even been learning about recently that I'll add on to the narrative coaching piece. Great. Um, and that is around uh, when we get into a spiral where we, we're seeing ourselves um, take a thought and have a feeling as a result. We, I've been learning through the, uh, it's the conscious leadership group these days. And so okay. they, do, they do a lot of thinking about finding, locating yourself. And you're, you, there's a line, theoretically, an imaginary line by which if you're, if you're operating below the line, you're operating from a space of fear, judgment, critical. I'm generally when I'm there, I'm, I'm looking for someone to blame and things happen to me. Right, right. I'm a victim of things. I am a victim. Right. So when we flip it and we think above the line, yeah. we're living in a world or we're thinking from a world that has us going, I'm curious. Things happen to me. They're an opportunity for me to learn about the world, about myself, about my thinking. And Instead of things happening to me, when I'm above the line, things happen by me. I create things. I, things happen because I am creating the outcomes of them. Okay. And so if we apply that same thinking to a moment like this, Sarah walks in and I'm having this moment of, I find myself below the line. I'm judging, I'm being critical, I'm operating from a different place. Something's happening to me, exactly. I'm telling myself a story. Right. So we have this moment where if we can see it, which that's the practice, if I can right. see I'm below the line, then I can ask myself, am I willing to shift? Okay. And sometimes I think if we're honest with ourselves, we think we are willing, but we're not. I so mean, that's let's stop here for a sec. Uh, sure. So, so we're going to go back. I've made up the story. I catch myself and I yes. say, Yo, Ron, is that just your story? And then mm -hmm. I, I say, yeah, that, of course that is my story. I, yeah. I check that box. Mm -hmm. Is that enough in, in some cases for me to say, okay, that's just the story then. So that's gone. Now what? I think so. Because it, similarly, when you, when you think about feelings, sometimes just recognizing I'm angry and like feeling right. that in yourself mm -hmm. can allow it to dissolve in a different way. Right. Right. Because you've, you've sort of caught yourself, whether it's fear, anger, whatever, and you go, I'm angry and you feel it and then let it go. Sometimes we don't let it go. Sometimes we're not ready to move on. But if you are in that moment and you can go, yeah, I'm angry with her. I'm angry about this. And you feel like, I, I don't want to stay there. Then I do think we have the opportunity at that point to ask this question of what judgment did I just make? Right. So, so then I deconstruct this and right. I, say, I just made a judgment that she doesn't care. That's right. a judgment. I recognize that I've judged. Right. Or, or, or even like you could say from that point, what was the story that I then told myself based yep. on that judgment? Okay. Now, this is all something that is, uh, you know, ideal situations. You initially asked, can I just catch myself and that's enough? 
I think, yeah, to start with, sure, of course. In the moment, to catch myself and go, I just had it, I'm just, I'm finding myself reactive in this moment. And that enough can be, that it can be enough to sort of have that moment where I go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and be curious about it. And in that moment, I don't have to go through all these steps of how did I judge her? What was the story? Whatever, because you have a meeting to run. You're busy. Now, maybe you get good enough that you can have this thought while you're running the meeting, yeah. but, but really it's, it's a matter of catching yourself. And then maybe after the fact, thinking through that a little bit and, and right. thinking, and then clearing that even with Sarah to say, right. Hey Sarah, like when this happened, I initially felt whatever. Angry, oh, so sorry. Sad. Stop there, Justine. So you're suggesting to be really honest and say, Hey Sarah, when this happened yesterday, cause it's been 24 hours that I, as a leader say, here's what I thought. I told myself this story. Like what? Well, yeah. What's, what's that conversation yeah. look like in I, the right manner? I mean, that situation is ideal because if you're, if you're in a context by, by which everyone has the same paradigm that they're able to look through and everyone is, um, thinking about this and aware of it, then you could have a model. Some people call it like a clearing model where you actually could say, Hey, Sarah, when this happened, I told myself the story that you were being disrespectful, or I had a feeling of feeling disrespected or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I just want to say that, just want you to know that this has been the case. And then of course have that sort of opportunity for, for that response and right. for her to say whatever, uh, and then really have it out there to express, um, on both sides, the stories that you might've been telling and recognize the truth there within it. Right. So this gives, it sounds like this gives in this case, Sarah, an opportunity to do two things. One to say, Oh, actually my daughter was sick and here's what happened. I had a car accident, whatever the case was. But two, I like this approach because it also um, strengthens a relationship where Sarah now knows how quickly I can move to something that may not be the case. And she may change her behavior next time to send a message, say, Hey, running late, here's what's going on. Yeah. So, I I mean, it shows awareness on your part as a leader and as a teammate to say, I had this thing and I want, I want you to know about it. I want to acknowledge it for myself Mm -hmm. that it wasn't where I wanted to go, but also, so, you know, and then for her to say, okay, this is my story and here's what happened. It would change her or it could change her behavior, but it also is going to help her with the story that she was telling with herself and have that sort of back and forth of open communication. So, I mean, I mean, this is this is a situation in which a team would have to be uh, comfortable and aware that they're all practicing this together. It's, so it's not something that I would necessarily jump right into a clearing model with someone who I met and they've it's their first month on the job. Right. Understood. Um, and so, but it's funny because I find the, 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 uh, the title of it, narrative coaching, I was in coaching externally, but it's really, this is an internal thing. Mm-hmm. 100%. This isn't I would about say, coaching Sarah for being late. It has nothing to do with that. I, yeah. It's very much coaching yourself. The, right. the model of narrative coaching is used 
to uncover things. And we call it narrative coaching because sometimes it's facilitated by a coach. But really, you can do it yourself. You can facilitate that model it, too. You know, it's interesting. As I was just, I was just talking to you about uh, Master Coach, the book. Yes, which I thought was phenomenal. I posted about it today, and what you're talking about sounds very interesting as a pre-coaching mechanism to make sure that I'm clean, that I don't go into this with bad feelings. Yes. That you know, because maybe there is something to coach Sarah on. And I certainly don't want to be at conflict emotionally. I want to, if I'm a true coach, I want to help Sarah through something. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, you're right. I think, and I know Ron, you've said to me before that before you go into meetings, you ask yourself a few questions to kind of get a bit of a lens by which you want to show up for that meeting. This is, this is exactly the sort of thing that if I've had drama, if I've told a story about this person or with this person and we're coming into a meeting where I know I'm coming in hot, then I might, this is a great exercise to sort of reflect on the response that I had. And then the second part that that we're going to get to is rewinding it and actually flipping it upside down so that you get to, to see instead of starting with my experience and ending with the outcome, when we rewind it, we start with the outcome and we get down to the experience. So walk, walk me through that. Yeah, sure. So if we rewind this story we, yeah. and we're, use Sarah as the Amanda. example. <laughs> Amanda, go, keep going. Yeah. Amanda, yeah. What would you like to have had happen in the end with Sarah? So this is part of the process now. So I, I've, I've discovered that this is just a story and then this is part of like, you know, yeah. Um, this process, what would I've liked to have happened? I, I would have liked that she told me, you know, I kind of walked us through earlier that she would have sent me a message in advance to say, Hey, something's come up, going to be late. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry if I was, you know, disrupted the team, but right. uh, here's what's happened. Just, just that she was really transparent about what, what was going on. So I, so selfishly, I don't go into storytelling mode. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your desire is for her to behave differently in some way. Correct. Okay. So let's take that because I think that's Is that important. like, are you about to go? <laughs> well, I think there's two, two potential outcomes. One is what she does differently. And the other is what, what you do, do differently. Right, right. So, and I, and I, we can play it both ways, but yep. let's, let's identify what would you like to have had happen differently for you? For me, sorry. Okay. Different question. So for me, I would have liked to follow your process, which was to stop and ask myself, is that, are these facts or is this my story? Mm-hmm. And in this case, it would have been, well, you know, I actually made up three stories here. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't just one. I started grabbing at straws with, you know, stories in my own head. And I would recognize that those are stories that would slow me down. So the outcome for me would be, it would slow me down. I wouldn't have sent the text or the phone call, whatever right. I was going to do. And I would wait and wait for the air to clear, wait till I'm not emotional. And then when she comes, I would ask her, Hey, I I noticed you were late. Uh, Can you, you know, everything okay. I would approach it from a compassion, empathy standpoint, everything okay. Anything I can do from you for, not from you, for you. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, and really take that approach. Right. So in the last story, how we ended, I was just thinking this through in the last story, how we ended, we ended with Ron has an employee and things don't feel good. 
Yeah. They, they don't have a, not, not that they don't, it feels dramatic. It feels tense. There's some difficulty. The ideal outcome there is what? In an ideal world, we get on great. Yeah. Yeah. That that it's beyond being on time. We just said there's no friction. There's no tension Mm -hmm. transparent with each other. We've got a great bond. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So then you've, you've kind of answered that second question of what could I have done differently as a result, which is I might have, you know, taken a second to catch myself. I might have thought a little bit differently about what might be going on for her. And it would cause me to behave in a way that I wouldn't necessarily shoot off that text message or call her out in mm-hmm. front of somebody. Right. So the third question there is, what would you need to have to shift in how you see yourself in order to do that? You're going deep on me, Justine. What would <laughs> I need to shift? Say that again. What would I need to shift in order to? What would I need to shift in how I see myself? Now, originally the question around identity was, oh, I know. what does I this say that. about yourself? How yeah, you so, see yourself? So, so it, we used to, the last one was, I see myself as kind, respectful. I'm giving her all these things. Now that I've slowed down and I didn't shoot off the text message and I didn't call her out and I want things to be good, what would I need to shift in how I see myself in order to do that. Love this. So, so for me in this situation, I need to see myself as someone who's serving Sarah as a servant uh-huh. leader, not someone who she's disrespecting and, and, right. and serving uh, just because the paycheck comes from me. Right. That's right. Yeah. So. Did I get, is that like a three pointer for me? I that mean, good? that was, that was good. That was great. You, <laughs> Right. You went right Amanda, for the guts. Amanda, did you hear that? <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> so then knowing, or hearing that and feeling like, okay, I would need to shift into a spot of saying, I'm a servant leader. I'm right. here to provide her for a space that she needs to do the work for this business and, and to really have that collaborative work. So what could I tell myself next time this happens? What could I tell myself? I mean, I'm going back to process. I, when I think of what I could, could tell myself, because for me, I need a simple process. And so in this case, I tell myself, it's okay. You're naturally going to tell yourself a story. You're not going to stop that. I don't think I have the control to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm going to tell myself to pause before I make any actions. Mm, yeah. And reflect for a moment and ask myself, what emotions do I feel right now? Um, and so I feel panic, I feel frustration. And then what 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 stories have I told myself? And so what, why do I feel panic? Well, I feel panic because I feel disrespected. Well, why do I feel disrespected? Because I think she's just been lazy and 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 so right. that and that's a judgment. What judgment did I make? That I what made judgment, judgment did I make? She's that's lazy. right. Because these aren't facts. I've made up stories. So that would be, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. So you've gone through the thing where you, you started with the outcome that you wanted, which is everything is going well. We haven't sent off the text message or called her out. We are seeing ourselves in a space of being a servant leader and, and sort of creating an environment that's different for our team. We're telling ourselves to slow down, to think through things, yeah. to um, 
you know, catch the judgments and the thoughts and the feelings, what would you observe if that were the case? What would you observe in your team and in yourself? If I was able to do it properly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that's a no brainer. I would observe that that friction wouldn't be there. The, um, you know, that we would have a, a stronger connection, stronger relationship. Um, you know, we would have a better bond to be able to, to move forward together. You know, I just don't see that it, it wouldn't be the, these uncomfortable moments would be gone. The friction, the bad emotion, all that stuff would probably go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's narrative coaching. Bam. So, <laughs> Justine, that was it. And look, I, I thank you so much. You really dove deep into this. Can you wrap a bow on this? If, if, you know, if you had to just tell me, look, here's the five things you need to do. Here's five questions. What does that look like? Can you, can you really compress that? I know that, and this was super helpful. I think this is going to be great for everybody to, to have an in-depth look at that, but if you had to wrap a bow on it and just, yeah. Yeah. The summary of the three questions that I think we want to catch ourselves in the moment of is the thought I had is the judgment I have is and the story I tell myself and the story I tell myself. Great. Those, those are the core three. If you can find those floating around your head through the day and catch yourself, those are the Mm. the core three. And it's interesting because this seems to be also I think it's super value. It, it has tons of value for anyone in a corporation, but this also, I mean, come on, this is going to be huge for our personal yeah. lives. Too. Life-changing, life-changing. Right. I don't care if you're at the grocery store, uh, you know, in, um, you know, in, in, a, in an argument with your spouse. I mean, this is, Justine, this is fantastic. This is really, uh, yeah. really great stuff. Thank you. Well, and I remember just as an anecdote, like when we started to practice this in the office, when I was working with the Connolly team and people were saying like, I'm catching myself all the time telling stories now. And it, it's so true. We, we live in an alternate reality of all the stories that we make up. Right. And sometimes we're not going to know the answer to the story. It's about catching ourselves. Say, that's just a story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that is the difference, right? If we talked about these three core questions that are helpful in the moment, one of the things that that leaves out is what did I like? What, what, how did I see myself? And that sort of reflection on my own identity Mm -hmm. and how I see myself and what value I might have been feeling unappreciated. That's that ego that you talked about before. So I think, you know, being a little, having some time for self-reflection on a deeper level is going to help us and, and help us to see maybe lifelong patterns that we have been finding for ourselves. That's where we'll find that, yeah, maybe I'm not really taking responsibility for how I, I see this over here with Sarah but if I really give it some introspection and you take that identity piece that we talked about, <laughs> maybe I think I'm really kind to my wife. Right, right. Maybe I think I do this in a lot of different places. Which I am, by the way, but continue. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I think so that's the practice of it that right. can allow us to take it a little bit deeper and really mm-hmm. see the ripple effect of us putting on new, new glasses. 
when we see the world differently. I love it. Look, that that is amazing. I, I want to um, end this with, tell us your thoughts, ideas, and, and you know, we're going to have people with small companies, large international companies. This is, this would absolutely help anybody for sure. Yeah. No brainer. How do you scale this? How do you, how do you scale that throughout an organization? What, what do you think is the most simple way to, to scale this, to help every individual? Cause this isn't, by the way, this isn't just a technique for leaders, not the CEO, not, not, not yeah. people. These are anybody employees. I mean, we all do this. We get caught yes. probably multiple times a day. So, I think if I think about scaling and I think about what, what do you need in your team in order to accomplish this in your culture? I mean, the very first thing I think about is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need like the team has to be prepared to get comfortable with their, I don't know, persona, which is not common right? Uh, to, to really have a team that's saying, it's okay if I don't know, or it's okay if I'm wrong, or let's dive into this together. Again, you know, to bring it back to that example earlier, if, if we're a team that tries to operate above the line and we live in curiosity and we take challenges as opportunity to learn, then this is the kind of thing that we're going to love. We're going to just chew on this and go, yeah, this is more for us to learn about each other, about ourselves, about our business. So scaling it, I think, would require a a culture and and a company that's willing to see its people as whole people. That, uh, you know, I agree, but then to execute and it sounds okay. like there's, there's a phase. It's got to be like education. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is this? What does it even mean? Yeah. Right. Step one. What is narrative coaching? What yeah. is that? What are the benefits to it? Like what are the pros and cons, the stories about getting stuck and the yeah. benefits, just what you're walking us through. And then, you know, I like these three questions. Yeah. The three questions, you know, I know it can, I know it can go much deeper, but the three questions would, would yeah. really solve a lot of that problem. Especially at work. I think those three questions will help uh, employees and leaders as they're just going through normal projects every day. And so I think in terms of scaling uh, or how you actually implement for me, uh, right off the bat, they'd employees would have to see this modeled by the leadership. It would have to be something that is lived and that they would actually see their leaders practicing and doing. And then as people are feeling safe, they're going, okay, I did, I told myself a story about him and here he is telling me about his story. So it sounds like you're saying needs to start with leadership, being vulnerable about the process. Otherwise I'm just telling people, Hey, just do this. I put on your to-do list. It'll solve your problems. But you said a word safe. Yeah. And so Okay, Ron practices. He talked about it, that it was important for the organization. He walked us through on a time when he really dropped the ball with Sarah and what that story looked like. Yeah. Now I know it's safe to do this too. Mm-hmm. And here's the process, the one, two, three, right? Right. And then I think it, to continue that, I think one of the things that we see and, and we've seen a lot of is that sometimes I think if I do a workshop or I do one coaching session or I do see my boss do this once, 
then the leadership has this expectation that boom, it's just going to happen. And I think the consistency is that second piece. That's, it happens in the dailies. And I think that's important. Justine, that was incredible. I think uh, through those listening, this is not just a company, but a uh, life-changing practice that we can put into play here. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's why I love it because it does change your life. Oh, look, that, that was excellent. Thanks so much. I love that yeah. we were able to have the time to dive very deep into that. Um, thanks again, Justine. You're a rock star. I, I really appreciate what you do uh, for, for the communities, the companies you work with. And of course, I've uh, also had the benefit of uh, working with you and, and, and seeing a lot of your tools come into practice. Uh, and so thanks you. Uh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here and thank you for, for yeah. letting me walk it, walk it through with you. It was great. For more information on Justine, you can find her on LinkedIn and a link is provided in the show description. If you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, we encourage you to share and subscribe wherever you're listening today. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.